What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action today, Sunday, December 27th, 2020. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and are enjoying the holiday season. Happy Hanukkah to all of my Jewish friends. I hope you had a great Hanukkah. I hope everyone had a great Christmas and you guys are getting ready for a great 2021. I got an awesome feeling about the next year, so much so that I will be podcasting and looking back on what a year 2020 was uh, with Rachel Gerhart. That was originally we were going to podcast on the Christmas movie bracket. We'll do that this week. Uh, stuff came up for Rachel with her Christmas, and we had to move that podcast off a week and do it after after Christmas. So unfortunately, we had to postpone that, but I think we're going to have a really good time later this week. We'll probably talk a little bit about the college football playoff then, as well as MTV's The Challenge. It's always a fun time chatting with Rachel. We'll also just talk about 2020, positives that came out of this year, and looking ahead to 2021, because I do think we're in store for a great year. Hey, I mean, I believe that if you if you remain positive and if you see things as great, even if on the surface they may not look great to other people, they can to you. Uh, so we'll talk plenty about that. We'll stay positive here. That will come sometime in the middle of this week. And you know what? We'll probably also talk about the best of the podcast for 2020. I mean, again, it was a great year. Got some ads on this podcast. Got my website up and running over at jackvita.com. Just wrote a piece about what the college football playoff would look like if there were 8 teams, 12 teams, 16, 24, 32. Expanded playoffs, that's what all those playoff systems would look like. And I had a lot of fun putting that together, to be quite honest. I think the my brackets are a lot better than what the college football playoff committee came up with last week, as I talked about with Scott Stahl. But that's neither here nor there because today we are talking NFL action, NFL Week 16. Before we do that, I want to thank our friends over at CBS All Access, which is a really terrific streaming service. If you haven't subscribed, you should do it. It's a great thing. Hey, start. we're going to start 2021 and have a great year. If you want to do it, start by getting CBS All Access. At least kick the tires on that free seven-day free trial. And if you haven't done so, make sure you do it through my link, jackvita.com slash CBS, because if you sign up through my link, you are supporting this show financially. So, yeah, how about that? We're also powered by Fanatics, and Fanatics has some really great deals up until... January 31st up until the end of the year. Guys, 2020 may have been a difficult year, but Fanatics has some great gear up to over 70% off selected items. There's a lot of stuff going on clearance. It's great. Go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. That's the place where you can pick up some great sports swag, memorabilia, gear, apparel, you name it. I've been, uh, getting some good deals over there. Just got my dad a TCU sweatshirt as a late Christmas gift, uh, but it was on his list. Actually, it was a jacket. It was pretty cool. It was only like 40 bucks. Shh, don't tell him how much I spent or what I got him. He's still waiting it in the mail. But hey, speaking to TCU, 
We had a great episode last week. I was joined by Jaslyn Rodriguez Hernandez, winner of the Dr. Pepper tuition giveaway at the Big 12 championship game from last year. You know what I'm talking about with the uh, conference championships. They always have some students throwing footballs through a little hole, and whoever hits more in a minute or whatever the time period is wins $100,000 in scholarship money. I always love watching those, and I was able to track down one of last year's winners. So if you want to find out more about that, go back and check that out. As I mentioned, I wrote that piece on the college football playoff. I've also been writing some other good stuff about the college football playoff, and we'll probably have more coming this week for that matter. Also wrote about six Survivor contestants that I think would be great on MTV's A Challenge. Log on to jackvita.com. Read the stuff I'm working on over there. We got all the podcasts up there as well. Good stuff going on. All right, guys, let's talk some football. Let me give you a run-through of the scores for today. And then, and by the way, oh yeah, it is just a solo show today. It's just me, Jack. So it's going to be a quicker episode. I'm going to give you the news from the weekend. And later on, we'll probably... I'll talk a little bit of college football and college basketball because hey we got a lot of good stuff going on in sports right now we don't want to miss it but this is your weekend recap for the weekend of the 25th through the 27th once again merry christmas so i'm gonna run through these scores kansas city chiefs won a close one over the atlanta falcons falcons played them pretty good Chiefs won that game 17-14 off a missed field goal from Young-Ho Koo. Young-Ho Koo is one of the great stories of this year. Uh, There have been a lot of pieces written about him over the past few weeks. He had gotten cut by the Chargers a few years ago, and I don't believe he had kicked anywhere in a game, at least in the NFL, the past few years, but he got picked up by the Atlanta Falcons this year, and he had made his last 27 kicks. He was a pro bowler this year, but I guess, hey, when you make 27 in a row, you're due to miss one. He missed a key kick, and the Chiefs skate by. They advance to 14-1 and and clinch the number one seed in the AFC playoffs, so that means they will get home field, and they're also going to be the lone team with a first-round buy on the AFC side of things. Watching the Chiefs lately has been very interesting. They've now won seven straight games, only by one score. I don't know if winning these close games is going to be a good thing for them or a deterrent. When you keep winning games closely, and especially when you're coming off winning a Super Bowl... There's part of me that watches the Chiefs against a team like the Falcons and thinks, why aren't they blowing these guys out? Do they play down to the competition? Are they a little bit hungover from last year that they're just not as driven and they're kind of, they're maybe a little overconfident to think, okay, we'll, we'll get through this. We'll win, we'll win, we'll win. I think a loss, maybe in Week 17, who knows, but I think a loss could benefit them. I guess it doesn't really matter because whether they win next week or not, they'll still have that number one seed, so they probably won't have their foot on the gas pedal. But I think that's dangerous, and I think that the Chiefs 
through all these close games, have proven that they are beatable. Now, Patrick Mahomes, he might be the MVP this year. And by the way, I've totally changed my stance. A few weeks ago, I was big on Big Ben, should be the MVP. He's had a great season. And (laughs) let me tell you, Ben and the Steelers, uh, it's been a wild last few weeks. They do get the victory today, however... But I, I will, I'll will come back to that in a second. Right now, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, I don't care. Either one of them, those are the two best quarterbacks in the league. And I don't think there's anyone that's in that tier with them. I think there are a lot of guys who are really, really good. But they don't do it as consistently and as excellently as Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers do. Those guys, you look at the stats, both have been phenomenal. Can't go wrong either way. It could be Rodgers because Mahomes just won one a couple years ago, and it's been a little while since Rodgers won his last MVP. The way that these things go, the voters typically get kind of tired of voting for the same person. So maybe this would be kind of like when Tom Brady won that MVP in, uh, I think it was, was it 2017? 2017, after he hadn't won one since 2010. I think it could be like that. I'd have to go back and look when Aaron Rodgers won his last one. But nevertheless, I think it's those two guys on the ballot. I'd go Josh Allen third. And we'll talk some bills later on, probably over the next couple weeks. But (laughs) Josh Allen, Chase has been right. Josh Allen's been phenomenal this year. I mean, wow. And I'm big on the Buffalo Bills. If I were doing power rankings, they would be right there at the top, if not uh, number two behind the Chiefs. But nevertheless, I think it's those three guys. And, you know, personally, I'd like to see Big Ben finish in the top five, and maybe you can put him fifth or whatever, uh, because that's never happened before in his career. And I do think, although there has been a little bit of a slump here over the last few weeks, the Steelers are going to finish with the second or third best record in the AFC. They just clinched the AFC North with their victory today over the Indianapolis Colts, 28-24. Came back big. They were down big in the second half. Came back and won that game. And Ben had a big day. Ben, again, slow-moving first half. Pittsburgh really wasn't getting too much going on offense, but... What I heard about in that game, because I was actually unable to watch this, it sounded like once they started throwing the ball downfield, they were having a lot more success moving the chains. Juju Smith-Schuster had a good day, nine catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. This was a huge one for the Steelers. After losing their last three games and tracking this game on my phone, I was like, oh gosh, Oh, gosh, this is awful. Oh, man, I do not feel good. And by the way, as many of you know, while I consider myself a credible source on the NFL, the NFL isn't my beloved. I don't love it quite the way I do with baseball. And baseball, college basketball, college football, those three sports, I'd say I'm more a fan of the league as a whole than I am of a team. The NFL... I'm more a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers than I am of the league. Now, with my fandom, I try to be as objective and biased as possible. But when the Steelers are playing well, 
I'm much more interested in talking football, much more interested in paying attention to what's going on around them. And when they are not playing well, while I still watch the Steelers every week when they're not playing well, uh, my enthusiasm for the league as a whole goes down. So lucky for you guys, I'm in a good mood today to talk plenty of NFL. It's a big win for the Steelers. They got a number of things that they're going to need to work through. But this is a good step in the right place. That loss against the Bengals was atrocious. It was rock bottom for them. My hope is that they got a nice little kick in the rear from that bad loss. And they're going to fix some of these issues that they've had offensively that we have documented on this podcast. Eric Ebron had a touchdown catch today. And uh, I have been a little critical of how he's played in recent weeks. But hey, maybe they maybe they sharpen up their focus and they go into these playoffs. Again, as I mentioned, what we, we've seen with the Kansas City Chiefs, we've seen with the Pittsburgh Steelers, these are probably your number one and number two well, these are potentially your number one, number two teams in the playoffs in terms of seeds. More on that later, but at least it's two of your top three, most likely. Both teams have shown themselves to be pretty beatable, I think. That's, uh, that's my opinion. Now, the Steelers needed a little bit of help in order to clinch that AFC North, and that help came in the surprising form of the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 let's go Jets, yes, yes. Okay, so the New York Jets now have won two games straight. They're 2-13. and 13. They beat the Cleveland Browns today, 23-16. You know what that means, guys? New York Jets just screwed themselves out of 15 years of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, my goodness. God must not be a New York Jets fan. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, New Yorkers. I'm sorry, Jets fans. At least you got the Yankees, right? I mean, man, it'd be tough to be a Jets and a Knicks fan right now. 23-16. But you know what? This brings up a greater point. Because with the Jaguars losing, they got thumped 17-41. A lot of people would argue that Gardner Minshew is the better quarterback than Mike Glennon. You're seeing a team actively trying to lose so badly that they're benching a quarterback that's better than his backup, and they're putting the backup in there to secure that first-round pick. You're trying to clinch a playoff spot, or you're trying to clinch that number one overall pick by being uncompetitive. And I think that... This is going to provide some interesting conversations about tanking this offseason. And I think there's going to need to be some change. Now, I know a lot of people have been pointing to the NBA draft lottery and saying that NFL should have a draft lottery and that would prevent tanking. Well, my thing is I would never look to the NBA and say, you know what? We should be more like them. They're doing a lot of things right because the NBA just got walloped by the NFL on Christmas Day. Their Christmas Day ratings went down another 25%. Those ratings keep going down. Nevertheless, you still have tanking in the NBA. I mean, that's still a huge problem. The draft lottery doesn't solve that. I heard this idea I'm probably going to write something about this in greater detail over the next week. But I heard this idea 
when I was actually at a Milwaukee Brewers game seven years ago, fall 2013, sitting next to a random baseball fan. And this is one of the great things about when you go to a baseball game and just meet people and you have these interesting conversations. So this was the best idea that I've heard to resolve tanking in sports. And now I'm not entirely sure how great it would work in the NFL, but it would certainly work perfectly in the NBA. It'd be great for baseball. And now I'd actually always say, I don't think baseball teams actively try to lose games. There's not enough of a reward to lose games. It's more just they're decimating their squad, trading all their major league talent, or at least a good number of their MLB talent to acquire prospects that are going to help them in the future. As a result of doing that, they end up losing a lot of games. It's not like they're actively trying to lose games, however. So here's the idea. The first overall pick in the draft goes to the team with the most wins post-playoff elimination. So, in theory, the worst team is going to get eliminated from the playoffs the soonest, and they're going to have the most opportunities to win games. The Jets were eliminated well over a month ago. I believe that was after week 11, week 12. Now, that doesn't happen all the time because they were a winless club. But what you would be having in this... So let's let's take this Jets scenario. Let's use that. They get eliminated week 11. Let's just say hypothetically. Now you got the final six weeks of the season where the New York Jets are trying to win as many games as possible. This is going to be better for football. It's going to be better for the fans. It's going to be better for everybody. If you're a Jets fan, don't you want to root for the Jets to win and not root for the Jets to lose? Then what you can maybe do is you expand the trade deadline. Now, you don't want the trade deadline going too late, but then all of a sudden, the New York Jets, it would, it would definitely look. It's not perfect. Teams would still try to be eliminated as soon as possible upon the start of the season. So, eh, well, actually, I can't say that because typically you play your first four games, maybe your first six games, thinking that, hey, we got something this year. Very few teams are intentionally tanking right out of the gate. So now all of a sudden, maybe after week six, you're one and five, and you say, all right, all right, let's try to lose these next five games, get eliminated, and then we got our week 10 trade deadline, and we're going to start stockpiling guys to win as many games as possible at the end of the season. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? What do you think, guys? I want to hear your thoughts on this. I would love for you to tweet me at Jack Vita Show. I want to know your thoughts on my resolution to solve tanking. I'll, I'll go a little deeper. I'll write something about this over the next couple of weeks. But I don't think we need a repeat of what we had this year. It's unfortunate that the Jets win these games and they're penalized for it, essentially. And if you had the Jaguars and the Jets late in the season trying to win games, I think that'd be good for everybody. That'd be good for the Arizona Cardinals, who now the Cardinals and the Rams play each other next week. 
And they got an interesting playoff situation going on there because the Bears might sneak into the playoffs. Jaguars were an absolute layup today. They said, please have your way with us. We are bowing out. We are not going to win this game. Take it. Mike Glennon. (laughs) Bears won that game 41-17. Jaguars clinch the number one overall pick with a 1-14 record. Maybe they'll show up next week and try to win. It's just, I don't like the idea. I mean, I'm not like aggressively against the idea of tanking. I mean, obviously there are great benefits to it, but I think we could modify some rules. We could do this a little better. And then the Jaguars, the Jets, they're trying to win these games and the Jets somehow still were trying to win these games. Maybe they thought that my rule was in fact the rule that was in place, but (laughs) it was not. So I think that'd be a good resolution. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I think it's definitely a little trickier with football because now you're talking, you get eliminated week 13, you got four games, and there could be a logjam of teams with around the same number of wins. How do you get to, do you give like the top three picks to the teams with the most wins after playoff elimination? And then after that, you have... Teams four or five, six, just kind of in the regular order of from of reverse uh, worst to first. I don't know. I don't know. But I think there's something there. There's something there. Maybe you guys have a better idea than I do. I'd love to hear it. Tweet me at Jack Vita Show. Chicago Bears. <laughs> what a roller coaster of a season it has been for the Chicago Bears. Start out five and one. Then they lost six straight, fell to five and seven. I, I think that's right. I could be wrong. And they've won their last three. So now you're looking at an eight and seven Bears team with the Packers coming up next week. And it'll be interesting because the Packers are right about to start their game on uh, on primetime tonight. And the Saints are only a game behind them. And I don't know if the Packers hold the tiebreaker. I don't think, I didn't see anything about the Packers being able to clinch the one seed today. So the Packers might need that game next week, which would be, obviously that would be ideal in order to have two teams that really need to win next week, Bears-Packers, and the Bears are able to pull that out, get into the playoffs. But I also started seeing some other scenarios where, there could be a three-team tie with the Rams if the Rams were to lose to the Cardinals. Now you got three nine and seven teams, assuming the Bears win. So I guess the Bears do, in fact, need to win next week in order to get in. But it looks it actually looks pretty decent for the Bears right now. In this playoff this year, as we go through some of these teams. There isn't really anyone that looks great. I think the AFC is a lot better than the NFC. And I think everyone's beatable, though. So I think it'd be like if you were putting the bottom of the NFC playoff teams up against the top of the AFC playoff teams, I don't think that would be close. But in the NFC, it's significantly weaker competition. And I think any of those teams could, in theory, beat anybody. 
Now, obviously, we're going to see the matchups, and next week, Jordan Morandini and I will preview those games. So we'll see what I have to say next week. But, I mean, the Bears, their defense is getting healthier. Their offense has been putting up points. What a year for the Bears. I mean, they went from 5-1. and one, This could be a great season. We'll make the playoffs to losing six straight and thinking, all right, which one of these quarterbacks do we want to draft? And can we tank these next few games? At least this is, this is the way the fans were thinking of it. Now, I live in Chicago. I'm tapped into it. So that's what I had noticed. And now optimism's rising back up. Yet there's also another part of the fan base that's like, oh my goodness, this team's stuck in mediocrity. They make the playoffs and they can't pick a new quarterback. They can't get a new coach, new GM. They're going to be riding this Trubisky, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace roller coaster into next year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I mean, I nevertheless, I think if the Bears get in the playoffs, they're going to be a very compelling story. But, hey, so the Browns lose to the Jets 23-16. Browns were undermanned. They had six or seven guys on the COVID list, maybe more than that. They still played, and you play the Jets, you should win that game. you got to win that game. It's a, it's a must win. And I shouldn't say a must win, but if you look at how crowded that AFC playoff is, with that loss, they now drop from the five spot to the seven spot. So next week... The Browns have the Steelers, and Steelers are going to be playing to win that game because they're trying to get a two seed, and they also want to work out these kinks and be playing with some momentum going into the playoffs. I mean, it'd be awful to lose four or five and go into the playoffs that way. Just would. The Colts play Jacksonville, so... The Browns are going to absolutely need to win next week. Otherwise, they're probably going to fall out. But there are a lot, again, there are a lot of scenarios. And we'll we'll take a little more of a look at that later. Uh, let me run through a few more of these games. Ravens beat the Giants 27-13. That makes things very interesting in the NFC East. I believe in the NFC East now, the Washington football team... <laughs> In first place at 6-9, and nine, and they're going to host a playoff game if they win that. So we're going to have a losing team in the playoffs hosting a playoff game. The only other time that had happened, 2010, Seattle Seahawks, and they actually ended up beating the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and, and Beast Mode broke off that huge run. That was before Russell Wilson got there. That was uh, at the very end of the Matt Hasselbeck era. First year, I think Pete Carroll was a head coach. Maybe it was a second. But, man, I mean, <laughs> they they won a game. So maybe Washington football team, they've, they have a really nice edge rush with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. So they got currently tied with the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants who lost today 27-13 to the Baltimore Ravens. That drops them uh, to a game out. In a very inconsequential game, Brandon Allen threw for 371 yards, and the Cincinnati Bengals rattle off another win, this time against the Houston Texans. 
37, 31. Start to wonder if Zach Taylor might keep his job with these victories and maybe they come on strong without Burrow at the end of the season. Maybe maybe he saves his job. I know that Bengals fans were unhappy. I also think with this Minnesota loss on Christmas Day, 52-33, Alvin Kamara runs for six touchdowns, tying an NFL record. Vikings at 6-9, and nine, they're going to miss the playoffs. I think I think Mike Zimmer might be at the end of the rope here with the Vikings. I mean, he had some really good years, but these last few years, they really haven't gotten what they were hoping to out of this team. And I don't think he game plans particularly well offensively with Kirk Cousins. It's too conservative with Kirk Cousins. He should let Kirk Cousins throw the ball down the field and be aggressive. But I don't know. I'm, I don't, it'll be interesting. This is the last year of Kirk's three-year deal I would think they're gonna stick with him but they might bring in a new coach so we'll see get him over the hump good quarterbacks are hard to come by and Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback I thought Zimmer going back to the Bengals where he was an assistant for Marvin Lewis I thought that that would be a logical scenario and I know the Bengals really love Zimmer so maybe they still jump on that if he becomes available similar to situation where Rick Renteria gets booted in favor of Joe Madden becoming available for the Cubs, but uh, nevertheless, good signs here for the Bengals to uh, to win another one. Another game I don't think many people watched the L.A. Chargers with another victory. I think that's three in a row after a very poor start to the season. Nineteen to sixteen over the Broncos. Don't have a whole lot to say about that, but I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know the latest on the John Elway situation, but it's uh, it's been a rough several years post Peyton Manning. I think this is year five or six now. I think it's year five post Manning and losing records every single season. Waste of Von Miller's prime. Unfortunate for that organization. Washington football team without Alex Smith. They dropped one today, 20-13 to 13 over the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater gets the win. We've got the Cowboys. Uh, Andy Dalton had a great day. Three touchdowns, 377 yards passing, 37-17 on the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. So the Cowboys now back in the picture, I guess, and it, it'll be next week. Cowboys playing the Giants, both those teams. It might be a situation where, I guess maybe it would depend on the head-to-head record and all that, but the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington football team, plays the Philadelphia Eagles, and if the Eagles can win that game, now the winner of Dallas and the Giants, the winner of that game, might be the NFC East champ. I don't know. I don't care. Really, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter all that much. <laughs> we got the Packers and the Titans getting set to play in the snow here in a little bit. Should be a fun little game. The Rams drop one on the road to the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer in the Seattle Seahawks, but I got to give them some credit. Their defense showed up today, and that's a defense that's gotten a lot of 
received a lot of criticism this season and in the past few years, for that matter, post-Legion of Boom. They got some guys on that defense who can make plays. Bobby Wagner is still there. Jamal Adams. Quandre Diggs had a nice interception today. I think that that defense, if they, maybe this is the start, they're starting to play up to what they're capable of because if you were to look at points allowed per game, it hasn't been in the middle of the pack. And they haven't been great. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been, they haven't been really good. I mean, they've been okay at best. But 20 to 9, the Seahawks win that game. And the Seahawks, they have a knack for winning games. And, It'll be. I'm curious to see what their matchup is. I don't love them on the road. I'm honestly, I'm not a huge Russell Wilson fanatic. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. I think that uh, the thing, again, with him, he's one of those guys that at his very best is exceptional. He's phenomenal. But we don't see it every week. And part of it can also be the play call and the strategy that Pete Carroll employs with this team. And... It's effective to a certain degree. It's a little bit the equivalent of University of Virginia or Wisconsin Badgers basketball, where it's very slow tempo, and when you play slow like that, teams can stay in games, but it can also be effective. And hey, the Virginia Cavaliers won a national championship the last time that we had a college basketball national championship to win. So it, I'm not I'm not huge on Seattle, but I got to give them credit. They win the NFC West once again. I do, I do think Pete Carroll's a great coach, though, and I think that that front office has done a phenomenal job over the years. Really, over the last 10 years, you have to look at all the teams. They've been the NFC equivalent of the New England Patriots. Now, no one's been the Patriots, but, I mean, they've been... I mean, maybe you could talk about the Saints or the Packers, but I, I would go Seahawks. I think Seahawks, it's been a really great era for that team. Really great. So that was a big win. If they can keep continuing to win games, even though some might see it as skating by, and I do think that they do that quite a bit. And that's uh, that's the name of the game, Survive in Advance. And this is a playoff that, again, I think is an open Anyone could win. I don't know how I feel about Seattle. The loss for the Rams drops them to 9-6 and six and, again, puts them in a situation where they're going to need to win this next week against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals really, and here's the thing, they, they lost yesterday 20-12 to 12 to uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And, by the way, C.J. Beathard gets to win. I've always been a big C.J. Beathard guy. Going back to his days at Iowa, he was a really good college quarterback. And personally, I've always thought he's better than Nick Mullins as a backup for that team. So I was glad to see him get in there, get an opportunity, and get the win. Cardinals lost another one. I feel like we celebrated Arizona a little too early. I fell into it. After that game against the Bills, I was all in on them. I thought they were going to end up being the best team in the division from that point on and I've been so wrong I mean really really wrong on the Arizona Cardinals Kyler Murray he had a really great start to the season hasn't been bad since but he hasn't been 
what we were kind of looking at him as at, at the beginning of this season. Cardinals now uh, fighting for their playoff lives next week. And let me take a look at the situations here. I want to make sure I get these scenarios right. I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds of things, but just I think this is a really important one, obviously, because it's going to determine who gets in on the NFC side of things. So LA Rams, they need a win next week, and they're in. Arizona Cardinals, they win, or a Bears loss, and they're in. So that's uh, I think that's the same situation so so actually so either team wins and the bears lose and they're in so you could end up with three teams from the same division all in the playoffs the bears are going to need a win and i think if they win they're in it's it's that simple last couple of games here the raiders blew a game last night to the miami dolphins and at this point the raiders are out of it i mean they're they're an okay team. They're going to finish probably right around. They're 7-8. and eight. If they win next week, they'll be right at 500. And, I mean, John Gruden's done a pretty good job so far. Uh, he had to kind of gut his team his first year, and they're starting to slowly rise back up. Miami Dolphins, I like them. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in in mop-up duty, wins that game. They win that game 26-25. Tampa Bay Buccaneers put an exclamation point on their playoff clinching performance with a 47-7 win over the Detroit Lions. Could be the last time you see Matt Stafford in a Lions uniform. He did leave that game and get injured. Uh, Now, Stafford is such a tough guy that he'll probably want to be out there next week, and maybe we'll see him again in an inconsequential game. But my goodness, the Lions are a mess. It's sad. I feel bad for the Detroit fans. I mean, that's that's tough. Tom Brady had a great day. Threw for four touchdowns, 348 yards. Gronk had a couple of touchdowns. Blaine Gabbert came in there. He threw a touchdown pass. I like the Bucs. I think the Bucs can win some games in these playoffs. It's just they need to... Uh, I think there's a little bit of friction there between Arians and Brady, and I think it's going to come down to some of the play calling and some of the strategy, and again, who are you playing? But uh, the Bucks are capable of making a run here. Uh, Tom went there for a reason. 10-5 and five for the Bucks, And now I'll give you the, uh, the as it stands right now. And again, the Bills and the Patriots are going to play tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. The Titans and the Packers playing right now on Sunday night. But you have the Chiefs in first place. And probably, I would think, Bills are going to beat the Patriots. They'll move into the two spot. Steelers slide to the three spot. Um, it'd be really interesting what happens with the Titans and the Packers tonight. But the Titans are currently number four at 10-4. and four. Dolphins, 10-5. and five. And there's uh, we have a few teams at that 10-5 and five thing. We actually have four teams. Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, and Colts. Colts are the team on the outs right now, but... Again, we'll see what ends up happening next week. A lot of this can change really quickly. And the Browns are once again in danger of being a 10-win team that misses the playoffs. I believe they were the first team to ever miss the playoffs with 10 wins back in 2007, that Derek Anderson year with Romeo Cornell. And uh, here we go again. (laughs) I'm sorry, Clevelanders, but... 
not too sorry following uh, that incident last year. Pittsburgh has a chance to really finish it uh, this time around on Sunday. Should be should be a really good game. I'm excited to watch that. On the NFC side, so the Packers are in the one seed. Saints two at eleven and four. Packers eleven and three. Seahawks eleven and four in the three spot. Then you've got the Washington football team currently as the number four with the again the Cowboys and the Giants lurking right outside of that. Number five, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're ten and five. And then you got the Rams and the Bears actually would be in right now above the Arizona Cardinals. So that's uh that's that's what you got on the NFL side of things. And I'm looking forward to next weekend. We'll talk plenty of football once again next week. Let's talk some college sports. So I'm still unhappy with the selection committee. Last night we had a really, really awesome, fun game between the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers and, I hope I said that right. I don't think I've ever said that word out loud. (laughs) The Liberty Flames. Liberty wins that game 37-34, but this was just classic, classic NCAA. Now, I, again, I you could point your finger at ESPN. You can point it at the committee. You can point it at NCAA, Division One, FBS. There isn't really a particular source that we can stick our finger at, but this is just the classic case of taking smaller schools Mid, uh, maybe we could we can call them mid majors in this case. Group of five, independent. Liberty's an independent school. Let's take these mid majors and let's have them go against each other. Louisiana, the number nineteen team in the country. Actually, CBS Sports rankings. They're number fifteen in the country. Prior to yesterday, they're playing the 65th best team in the country. Again, according to CBS's uh, football rankings, they do a good job. They rank every team, all 130. Louisiana, they went 9-1 in the regular season. Their only loss going to Coastal Carolina. It was a close game, too. They beat Iowa State by 17. The Sun Belt went 3-0 against the Big 12. Yet Iowa State is playing in a New Year's Six bowl game. I know that, again, they're operating a lot of this on money. Bigger schools, bigger money, more viewership, and we can't have too many fans there. So it's definitely a different year, but I wish things could be a little... You got to do better than this. At least give us that Louisiana against North Carolina matchup. Give us... Give us Coastal against Iowa State. Give us give us some of those matchups. And you don't even have to put them up against Oklahoma. You don't have to put them up against AM, some of those teams that they were the right outside that top four. But give them a shot against some of these power five teams that the committee is saying are so good. Because we're never going to know how good these teams are if they only play each other. I want to see these group of five teams get a chance against some power five teams. 
even if it's not in the playoffs, I'm going to I'm going to accept right now that the playoff system is not welcoming to the Cincinnati's and the Coastal Carolinas of the world. I get that. I it's obvious. We all see it. There's no way, nothing they can do right now to get into the top four. At least give them a chance to build a little bit of a reputation. Give them that moment in a New Year's Six game. Put them up against Indiana or Northwestern or just a, a good Power Five team. That's all I'm saying. And it's just, oh my goodness. Again, I go back to what I said last week. If college basketball operated the way college football does, Gonzaga would have never built this program that they have going. And that feels like a good transition point because Gonzaga, they look better than everybody this year in college basketball. They are right now 7-0, the number one team in the country with wins over Kansas, Iowa, and now Virginia. And in all three of those games, they put up 90 points. 90 points! The Zags look really good. And I was starting to think a little bit about what Gonzaga's done over the last 20 years. And what, I mean, this is, I don't think Gonzaga's been better than they have over the last few years. Where This is like a perennial team that gets ranked number one at some point in the season. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, starting to replace Duke a little bit. Now, he listen, uh, <laughs> stay with me for a moment. Now, Duke, obviously, Coach K and the history at that, or, at that school, it's just phenomenal. But did anyone expect 10 years ago that Duke would go in the direction that it has over the last 10 years? where Duke used to recruit a lot of the guys like Corey Kispert or uh, like uh, like Timmy, the big guy on Gonzaga, used to get a lot of those guys who weren't really on the radar as like your top five recruits. Not, not the guys that were going to be one and dones and leave for the NBA after a year. And Duke pivoted. I mean, they used to go after Josh McRoberts, Greg Paulus, John Shire, Guys like that who were role players at best in the NBA and in the case of those guards, not even NBA players. But they were modeled as when you have guys who commit to four years, you have a little more cohesiveness year in and year out. And that's how Gonzaga's doing this. Villanova's doing the same thing. Baylor is doing that right now. Kansas hasn't really gone away from what they've done. But Duke has. I mean, Duke went in the opposite direction where they started getting the absolute best players in the country who would leave after one year. So, look, you could look again, look at Jaleel Okafor. And hey, they did win a championship with him, by the way. So, it did work. It has worked for them. And that was actually interesting because at that point, it seemed like it was more of a fusion of the two different schools where they kind of had their typical Duke group, but with a one-and-done player. And But, you know, Zion, they had uh, that team with Zion and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. 
that squad, that was a one-and-done group that was all gone after a year. And the thing that you do is, like, you have the highest upside. Like, that team had a higher upside than what Gonzaga's looking at right now. But Gonzaga's probably a little more steady. Gonzaga isn't going to have to work through the kinks the way that Kentucky has. Now, Duke has gone in the in the direction of Kentucky, and Duke's done in... Again, this is nothing bad about Duke. It's more just about, look at what Gonzaga's done and what they've built out of the Mountain West Conference. It's been nothing short of amazing. Kentucky, however, off to a 1-6 start. They lost again against Louisville. John Calipari is saying that this is the stupidest scheduling he's ever done. I love that quote. Calipari, he gives some great quotes, man. He's he's one of the best impressors. Taking some of that responsibility for himself, not putting it on his players. I like that. But <laughs> Kentucky, he's saying it's killing their confidence. Some of these big games they played. North Carolina last week. They The good thing, though, is that college basketball gives you this opportunity to work through those kinks at the start of the season and hopefully you turn the corner and are playing your best ball going into the spring. You can come back from that bad start in college basketball. You can't in college football. And obviously it's a different sport. It's a different set of circumstances. But, hey, I mean, Kentucky, slow start. Duke is uh, number 20 right now. They're 3-2 and two right now. What I'm really most excited about right now, the 3-0 Northwestern Wildcats picked in the preseason to finish last in the Big Ten. Nobody was expecting this. Nobody. This is four years removed from that tournament run, and the last few years, they hadn't done anything very remarkable. It had been a little disappointing, but... The Cats are back, and this could potentially be a better team than we saw four years ago. And there's some young talent on this team, too. Which, as a Northwestern fan, I am excited about. I'm excited to see that. They had three big wins over the past week. All quality opponents. Michigan State last Sunday. Then they beat Indiana in the middle of the week. And Ohio State yesterday. They beat two ranked opponents and a good Indiana team. And again, this Big Ten is going to be a gauntlet of a schedule. Everyone looks good. I mean, look at Rutgers. Look at Michigan. Look at Iowa, of course. I mean, Iowa. Wisconsin had another win over Michigan State the other day. Illinois beat Duke earlier this year. Big Ten is... Seems like it's head and shoulders above every everybody else. But, um, I mean, that's, hey, that's Northwestern. It's pretty exciting. It's, it's going to be a good college basketball year. And now I'm excited. Now that college football, I mean, look, we have the playoff coming up next weekend. We'll be covering that. We'll have the championship game in a couple of weeks. Covering that, of course. But now that it's just, it's going to be NFL and college basketball for the next couple months, starting in a couple weeks. And I'm excited to go a little deeper into uh, into college basketball. I want to give another school a shout-out here. And again, we'll talk more college hoops soon. Houston 
is 7-0. and Kelvin Sampson has done a great job with that Cougars team. Again, this is why I much prefer college basketball's selection committee and format, playoff format, to what college football does. Because Houston can exist out of the American as a legitimate contender. And you could run through these conferences and you could say, Gonzaga, their Mountain West team. Baylor, Big 12 team. All those teams out of the Big 10. Villanova's at number five. They're a Big East team. Houston, out of the American. They're number six in the country. Tennessee, they're number eight. They're an SEC team. Pac-12 has Oregon. Oregon is uh, they're a ranked team. They're number 25 in the country. And then you got these ACC teams for that matter too with Virginia and UNC and you can run through the whole list with Duke and Florida State. That's eight different conferences with ranked teams. All I believe, all eight conferences have a legitimate shot at winning a championship this year. I mean, that's why I think this thing is so much better than what we're fooling around with with college football. And I'm hoping there are enough sensible people that come to their senses someday and we can improve the college football playoff moving forward. But, guys, that's our show for today. I mean, man, that was a lot of fun. I wasn't expecting to go as long as I did, but I guess I, I maybe I'm getting a little better at doing this one-man show thing, getting a little more comfortable. And I think this is only number third third or fourth time that I've done it by myself. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys again had a great Christmas. Log on to jackvita.com and check out the more that I'm writing and you can go a little deeper on these ideas about tanking and the college football playoff system and how we can make that thing better and everything going on in reality TV as well for that matter. Big things to come in 2021. I have more to share on that coming soon. I'm so excited for this next year. I hope you guys are all doing well. Staying positive. Look, the holidays, COVID, everything going on right now, it's easy to be stressed out. But remember that God's in control. Trust God. And uh, yeah, don't worry. We're going to get through this, guys. Uh, We just had our winter solstice, so from now on, days are going to be starting to get longer, which is great news for me with my seasonal seasonal affective disorder, seasonal seasonal depression. Why can't I say seasonal tonight? I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, just like um, we're going to be, it's going to be spring soon before you know it. We're going to get through all this stuff. We're going to keep staying positive. Just keep doing that, guys. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode of the show, subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, and please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing if you could just write a a few kind words. Again, I got more work coming out soon. I'm really excited to tell you about new projects. It's going to be a great year. You can follow me on social media, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Once again, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the good stuff we have coming out soon. 
New episode coming out in a few days. Rachel Gerhart joining me, talking 2020, college football, probably some other sports. MTV's the challenge. And as you know, whenever she and I get together, all kinds of random uh, ADHD brain blasts is what she called it last time. So should be a lot of fun. Make sure you're subscribed. And until then, I am Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. 